Welcome back, Dreadfuls. You're listening to another episode of Left for Dread, the horror podcast for everyone from newbies to fanatics. We are not a spoiler-free podcast, so make sure you have seen the movies or movie we are talking about before you listen. I'm one of your hosts, Rye. And I'm your other host, Chris. And I'm a death dealer. And I've been <laughs> we- I've been fighting in this blood feud for the last millennia. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I can't resist. Anyway. So, so if you don't, if you, if you haven't, <laughs> oh my god, if you haven't noticed yet, we are coming back hard with another franchise miniseries. This time, we are covering the amazing but terrible but still amazing action horror gothic franchise series Underworld. I'm so excited. Uh, okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Did you say terrible? <laughs> Terrible in the best way possible. Terrible? <laughs> I love it. Oh, okay, okay. Well, <laughs> well, according, okay. Well, according, according to quote unquote critics, like overall, wrong. they just, overall they just they didn't they just critically did not like this movie, even though it was such a big box office hit. Like it made tons of money and spawned this entire sprawling sequel. And I can get why the critics say. It's bad. I mean, it's. I mean, but I think all the reasons why they think it's quote unquote bad, I love it. Mm. Like it's just, it's flashy, it's edgy, it's dark. There's just, ah, oh, I love it. So when I, 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 I say that with like the most utmost love of my, I love Underworld. Copyright TMTM. That is my. <laughs> you, no one can take it away. It's canon. And I'm delirious right now. So. He, he, he really is. He's, he's tired. So, okay. When Underworld came out in 2003, if you didn't want to be Celine for Halloween, you're lying. Because you did. Because I did. Everyone did. But... Yes. The- and if you didn't have a crush on her, you're crazy. Everyone had a crush on her. Celine was just... Man. Right. Well, she was awesome. I, I think when people when people think about vampire movies... Uh, Drac. A lot of Dracula comes to mind, and Dracula was about, well, not solely, but a lot of it was about the romanticism of being a vampire. Uh, same with Interview with the Vampire. It was all about the youthfulness and the beauty and like the sort of decadence and elegance that came with it, and it, the decadence aspect of the vampires in Underworld are really frowned upon. Um, that's one of the things that Victor actually, like, gets pissed about when Selene wakes him up. He says that this coven has become decadent and weak. He wanted it to be a symbol of strength and power, not, like, fancy dapper parties. And that's sort of what it devolved into. And I think that when people think of vampires, they think of that beauty, they think of that romanticism. And that could be a large part of why critics had such an issue with it. It's my biggest reason why I love it. I love that the romance that exists is purely between two characters and it's not the romanticism of their condition. And that's what either, in my eyes, made Underworld either just like a little ahead of its time or just like right on time of where it needed to be in terms of the vampire werewolf genre. What I really, uh, sp- jumping off of that point, or um, or- originally when this film was pitched to, uh, who 
pitched it to. What's it called? Um, oh, so, I'm sorry, Scream Gems. Um, and then uh, Lakeshore Entertainment. Uh, how it was it really originally pitched? It was Romeo and Juliet, but with vampires and werewolves. And that makes a lot of sense. And um, I feel like uh, the 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 closest iteration of Romeo and Juliet that can relate to Underworld and its uh, aesthetic and its uh, its crazy extra over the top feel is the nineteen ninety eight or ninety nine Romeo and Juliet uh, with Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh, where you mean in Venice it, it, Beach, California, with all the guns? Exactly, where it's modernized. And I it's, love that though. I'm gonna get so much hate for that, but I love like, it. <laughs> I, I know this is not oh, this is not a topic, but my hot take that is like one of the greatest Romeo and Juliet interpretations ever because it's it's so chock full of this intense melodrama. Like just it takes Romeo and Juliet and dies it to eleven, and you just add guns to it, and that's what they did here in Underworld. They they took that formula, gave it just threw in a whole bunch of urban fantasy, um, where you have like this dark underbelly. Uh, with monsters and cool-looking outfits and really dramatic deliveries, dialogue, like moody glances, and just tons and tons of guns. And it was just, it, it just all worked together. And um, I, I found it really interesting. I, I mean, I, I, it came in the time where it was where the Matrix, uh, like the zeit, that zeitgeist, was still really popular. Like, um, the like everyone was in like leather coats and big guns and crazy action scenes um and that i i think i think all the at the time it was like a perfect synthesis of what really represented like those early aughts at the time or what was still really appealing uh not to mention like the music like at the time um what's her name uh amy lee from evanescence um she was doing a lot of the vocals or she was contributing a lot to the music. And at the same time, she was becoming really popular um, and a, a true goth icon at the same time. So it was like this perfect blend of like a perfect encapsulation of like the early aughts of like, and it, I think it just, it just came through. And I think that's one of the reasons why it's such a great and beloved cult classic film and why so many people today still love it. I think that this is the only universe that exists in terms of this genre, where I actively root for the lichens and not the vampires. In every other universe where they're pitted up against each other, I'm on the side of the vampire all the way. Even in fucking Twilight, don't get me started. I'm not saying they should sparkle. I just want to be young and and not aging forever. <laughs> mm -hmm. Is it because the lichens are, are like... Um like an endangered species and they're like the underdog and because i found or... michael sheen like oddly very attractive in this oh movie. yes of course yes <laughs> <laughs> like hello okay putting that putting that aside though no no no, no. more about michael sheen no please. no we're not, gonna, we're not gonna get into that that's that's the that's the after hours version of this of this episode so but michael sheen <laughs> so so here's the thing that that's Chris. This is what that's why you have a Patreon. No. Um. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> so, so here's the thing. I think it was because of 
the fact that they were like living in like secret colonies under the sewers, kind of like the secret, like, <laughs> like Ninja Turtles. Yes. Um, <laughs> and I just think that like watching the vampires live like this lush lifestyle while the lichens weren't free to like live in the open because of lies that had been passed down. Now, granted, when I first saw this movie and at the beginning, you don't know that they're lying. You just know that there's like a war going on. And then the back of your brain, you're like, well, yeah, of course there's a war. You're just m classically meant to not be on the same side. But this is like the only universe where I actively root for the lichens. And I think it's that. But in large part, it's also to do... With the love story between Lucian and Sonia, who you find out is Victor's daughter, who he lets die because she fell in love with the werewolf. And you get snippets of their backstory. And even though it wasn't like, obviously, we know that they turned it into a movie, which at the time I wouldn't have thought was necessary, but I really enjoyed watching it <laughs> when it came out. I paid to see it in theaters like four times. Was it uh, ri Rise, Rise of the, of the Lycans? The... Yes. I paid to go mm -hmm. see that movie four times in theaters. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> I clearly, we already know where my opinion's going to go with that one. Also, also Sonya was played by Rona Mitra, and she's awesome. Yes. So, I just, I just think that when you have a universe where they're, again, supposed to be classically pitted up against each other, I always root for the vampire because they represent, like, literally everything i'm insecure about <laughs> like aging and dying and they're just not that so you know vampirism is always something that in the back of like little baby ryan was always like i want to be a vampire when i grow up too i mean you're you're also loyal to the vampires but as soon as michael sheen takes off his shirt and starts transforming he doesn't have to take off his shirt <laughs> that was the whole point <laughs> Actually, actually, like, I, uh, the honestly, that was, a that, was a quite, that was an interesting trivia point. Like, Michael Sheen or Lucian ne never actually transforms in the first movie, nope. um, except in the flashback. So, and okay, so okay, he never transforms in this movie. You do see a little bit of the teeth eye action, which is cool. Um, what I do love is again, even in 2003, all the werewolves were done practically. That is a guy in a suit. Or that is practical effects, whether it's a transformation or something like that. So again, even in 2003, people are proving that classical practical effects are effective and they work and they do really, really well on camera. Yeah, it's like the only, the only practical effect, or I'm sorry, CGI they would use is when they would just pan inside the the human body, the body. you see like the rib cage expand oh, like in the heart so like good. i'm such a sucker for good werewolf transformation yeah it's like it was really well done it was so well done my only pet peeve watching this again was that we never get to see michael transform into a full werewolf before he becomes a hybrid and that really bothers me because i'm I wanted to see what he would look like before he became the like blue demon or the gray demon, whatever the fuck he is. After the, that. The, the the hybrid, the hybrid yeah. color, which comes. I'm gonna bring that up again when we start talking about evolution. Um, mm -hmm. I I do, and I'm noticing this with more recent retellings of Dracula, specifically in the BBC version, which if you guys haven't seen that, I've realized that it's gotten mixed reviews. I loved it. I, I devoured all three episodes very quickly. 
Um, they are not short. They're each an hour and a half long. They're like mini movies. But I can't wait to watch it again. I just haven't found the time. Um, taking also from that, <clears throat> a big thing that this movie does is it passes memories through the blood. And the, it goes the same with the lichens too. So it's tied into the lore of both of these species. And I think that that's really, really amazing. On a different level though, Victor says that part of the reason why the awakening are done by elders is because they have a way of consolidating the timeline of their reign to show the elder that they're waking up, like what happened. Making sure that it's not chaotic. Um, so, do, like, but does uh, that mean you can manipulate the timeline? Can I don't you manipulate think so. it? I, I don't. I, I don't. Well, I think it's more like making sure it's a more uh, a cohesive vision, and because like when Bill Nighy or Victor gets Celine's memories, she's untrained, uh, and she's like all raw emotion. So when when he experiences her memories, they're all true, but it was it felt like he was going through a little ro- roller coaster ride. You could see his eyes, like in pained consonants, like it, trying to like sift through the memories, and, and he, as it flows through him like a raging waterfall. So I don't think you could fake a memory because, like, I at least with the well, first I'm not two memories, not necessarily fake it, but you could you manipulate it in a way that you could basically dictate. Like leaving stuff out. Could you intentionally leave out details? I uh, well, like the I want to know. I want to know from how from what I've uh, observed in like the first two movies. Um, you know, especially like I know we're jumping ahead a little bit, but like whenever a Marcus or someone else bites another person to get their memories, like the other person. Is was unwilling um, to like diverge information. They wanted to keep the information away, but they still, but the like Marcus, for example, he still ended up finding out what he wanted. Um, so I guess from the lore standpoint, if you have an elder, or even if you have like Alexander Corvinius, um, someone who's like super super powerful, like a, like the most elite of the immortals. I still think if that ability, assuming that ability was even possible, it would be really, really tough. Um, I don't know. From what I see, it always seemed like the blood doesn't lie, that kind of thing. Although, I mean, this is Len Wiseman's thing, so maybe, maybe in later in the later in the later movies, like he introduces that power. But I don't know. And that would be really interesting. At least, if not the ability to manipulate memories but at least to like di- like like mess with the timeline to create a different story um but using the same facts i don't know i'm rambling right no now. no i i really hope that that gets explored more because i do love the idea of blood being used to pass on memories and knowledge i think it's extremely logical um and there's also a very good reason for that the one of the co-writers for Underworld, uh, who played Raze, the big werewolf, who was friends with Lucian. He co-wrote the movie. He has a background in genetic engineering. 
So that's why everything was sort of taken into uh, taken through a scientific lens because that's the way he wanted to view this. He wanted to view it like a virus instead of something again less romanticized, which I I really respect the hell out of. So, um, speaking of like genetics, so normally like like. Uh, in nature, you're you. I, I guess well, maybe maybe it's a little bit different from within the animal kingdom when you're talking about like animal bestial instincts. But generally, among humans, like it's not possible to pass on memories through genetics. Depends who but you ask. It, yeah, there are but, like in certain parts of that they of like things from uh from a different from like a past life. Yeah. So it. I, I feel like you go you go into tricky territory with that. Um, yeah, that's why. But what I was saying is, um, in other parts of nature, like this phenomenon actually happens. So, for example, a, a, a cool example is the the planarian worm. Um, so it's this type of okay. Worm Chris where... went on a deep dive for this. <laughs> I know. It's... Oh, so, so oh, sorry. I just get, I get. I'm really excited about this. So it's a species of flatworm. Um, so scientists. Um, I forget when it when it, this actually happened. Um, but scientists did experiments with planarian worms where they would teach a worm how to navigate like a maze, and then they would like cut it. Uh, and um, and it would and uh or breed its offspring, and then they found out that through successive generations of offsprings, they also eventually learned how to retain experience and pass it on to its progeny um and actually the planarian worms were uh like this scientific study was the basis of alan moore's swamp thing and then how they, they recreated him in comics so that that's a long way of saying like in nature there are a phenomenon where it, they showed like memories are being able to transform or transfer uh, through the generation so who's to say like Ray's didn't take some sort of inspiration from that or maybe Ray's if he's working on working on later movies was able to uh, expand on that ability more yeah on a same but not same note because we're talking about people who experience like past memories and things like that it's actually why people go on ayahuasca retreats too they take ayahuasca to deal with trauma like past trauma that they might not necessarily remember as sort of like a healing process not gonna lie sounds great <laughs> like i'd love to do that even though it apparently involves a lot of vomiting but it sounds wonderful. Um, so, yeah. So all of this is to say that at least for the first underworld, it takes a very, like, scientific approach to this lore. Uh, they do briefly mention the start of how they came to be. And I even wrote out a family tree because I was confused as hell. 
Um, they say that the way that the myth goes is everyone is the son of Alexander Corvinus, who started this whole thing. And he had two sons. One was bitten by a wolf. One was bitten by a bat. And Alexander himself was infected by a virus. And yes. his body transformed the virus. And he became like the first quote unquote immortal. Yes. Yes, exactly. Yes. So again, it they turned this into a virus, which I think is like... I don't know if we had seen it before then. Maybe I just don't remember it. But the approach, like I said, the approach to this as a virus, I think, is so unique. And I do think that they approached it really, really well in the first one. Well, um, I think they. what's great about like, what this movie does in general across the board, like with the mythos, with the setting, you know, they try to modernize, like, everything that we know about vampires and werewolves. And yet it doesn't uh, take place... In an English-speaking city, this whole thing was filmed in Hungary, and it shows that it takes place in Hungary, and it shows that they're not trying, they, they're not hiding that it's in a foreign country, and I love that. So, Underworld was not marketed as a horror movie, it's marketed as exactly what you got, which was like a vampire action movie. And I think it's great. I think Underworld really holds up. Uh, I still love it. And if we didn't need to talk about Underworld evolution, I probably would have watched it at least two or three more times before this episode started. It's too late, right? We're committed. We're going to watch the entire franchise. Oh, no, we're watching the whole <laughs> franchise. I have opinions about um, evolution because, as I told Chris... For whatever reason, I couldn't remember the second one. I remembered everything about the first one. I remember everything about the third one. Why do I have such a gap about the second one? Because your mind created some self-defense mechanisms and yeah. it, 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 it selected repression and it made you forget. No, that's exactly what happened. So, at the end, okay, so... To summarize Underworld very quickly, because we've talked about a couple of different things in terms of the approach to this movie. First of all, I have to say the director really did a great job with the first one. I thought the casting was great. It was a very eclectic group of actors. It's a really great idea. Um, and it was Lev Wiseman's directorial director directorial debut debut um, yeah which is pretty impressive a lot of the a lot of like the basic themes power hungry the romance to this those have been done to death but when it's done right and it's stuck in a different universe it feels different and you you get that with underworld so as chris said huh celine's a death dealer well no he said he was a death dealer celine is the death dealer played by kate beckinsale and the movie starts out it's her narr it's her narrating and she's t explaining the war that's going on and i think you get what five minutes in not even before guns are out in full view of like public of humans and oh, it's like, like a, a 14-minute segment of a... Yeah. It's like they pulled straight from the Matrix, like in the subway fight. There's like yep. a, a pillar shootout scene, um, and it's just nonstop action. And then 
that, that's even before people start transforming. Yep, so and that's exactly how great. the movie starts. And from there on, it's just it's a wild ride, but in the best way possible. And we go from then to learning a little bit more about the lichens, and we look at the extravagance that the vampires live in. And what's more, what's more interesting and what was more important and really caught my attention when I first watched this was that they stuck to the core lore of these monsters. So vampires can't go out in the sunlight and werewolves are, are dead by silver. And they modernized it, which is so fucking cool. The werewolves have weaponized UV light into a bullet that they shoot vampires with. And then eventually the vampires found a way to have liquid, like silver nitrate. And and that is just, you want to modernize a, a vampire story or vampires in, in, in existence. That's a way to do it. And it really was... I mean, I remember watching it in 2003 going, holy shit, I've never seen anything like this. And it was great. And I ha- I still really don't have too many qualms about this movie. I still love it. I still really think it holds up. I'm actually kind of mad at myself that I haven't seen it since college. College was about the last time that I watched this movie. And I've been out of college for a while. So I it just under- underworld on its own. It, it really, truly, it holds up. And I think... I think you're doing yourself a disservice if you haven't watched it. If you like it and you haven't watched it recently, go back and watch it again. So we were trying to summarize this quickly and then it turned into another conversation. It's okay. Uh, Yeah, so there's this giant war and then Celine, um, she starts to uncover this vast conspiracy. Uh, So things aren't what they were or were they were told like so we find out that um the leader of the vampires lucian he's still he's still alive lichens not vampires i'm sorry lichens oh yes yes like trust me i Uh, know lucian's a lichen (laughs) yes um and other like uh we she finds out that the current leader of the coven craven uh, is going for a power play, trying to take over um, the entire... Okay, er, ti- that motherfucker got what he deserved <laughs> at the beginning of the second movie. I hated Craven, and I know you're supposed to, mm-hmm. but the fact that he went so far to try and save his own ass that he couldn't even like try to convince Celine of the truth after he got caught in a lie, he still tried to get the girl that obviously was head over heels in love with him on his side and then continued to just like use her like a puppet. Like I was waiting for her to snap his fucking neck. I, I was waiting for her to hate, kill him too. But I it hate never Craven. He got his. Yes. Unfortunately, so did the rest of the coven, but we'll get there. Yes. Um, also, and then, Bill Nye is just like grandpa, like vampire daddy. Bill Nye is the best vampire lord ever. Jesus I, Christ. Perfect casting. That man. Yes. I love Bill Nye. He's he's so good. Um, like he looks like he genuinely yeah, Bi- had fun with this movie, I will say. Yeah, I feel Bill Nye seemed to be having a lot of fun. How could you not uh, have fun playing a, like a vampire lord? And uh, props to his 
practical effects, like when he first gets revived, he's still plugged up and still being rejuvenated with blood. He's like this. He's like this old decrepit. Oh my god, but his still prosthetics small, were so blue flesh. Good. Oh, so cool. His prosthetics um, were so good. Like this, yes. this whole the costuming team, the makeup team, the special effects team, like. Oh, this is just a giant love letter to nerds. <laughs> it is. It's really good. Okay, I'm gonna. Okay, we're still trying to get through the recap. <laughs> uh, so Bill Nye, he's he's also drawn into the conspiracy because we find out that he orchestrated events like killing Celine's family before turning her into uh, a vampire, and then her joining the coven so there's a lot of political entry going on um and then the third act um it all comes to a giant head where all of them are fighting underground um lucian's wishes are are fulfilled because his um ultimate trump card slash plan was to find the third remaining uh, direct descendant of Alexander Corvinius. Um, and the third, in the legend, the third son uh, stayed human, but still had the genetic capability of becoming Wait, a there hybrid was a third of son? both. There's only yeah, two. Yeah, yeah. Michael, Michael Corvin's the third. He's. No. So yeah, in, the, in the legend, Alex Corvinius had three, actually had three no, sons. No, he had two. He had, no, no, no. He had, th- he had three. So the, the 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 first two, uh, one was bitten by a bat, became the first vampire. The the second, um, I just thought that Michael uh, bitten by a wolf the, became the first werewolf, descendant. and then he had a human, or he had a son that stayed human, and that human, um, created the line of descendants that all that traced all the way down to Michael Corvin. That's why Singe, the mad scientist Lycan, was searching for a direct descendant of alexander corvinius that was untainted but still had the carrier uh of the original virus and that that particular bloodline was able to be mixed into the hybrid so that's why uh singe couldn't have someone who is tied to um uh victor's or not victor's uh i'm sorry marcus's or I'm sorry, no, Williams or Marcus's bloodline. Um, because I'm, they were when tainted. When did I miss that? Uh, it, it was, it was, uh, it was when Singe, the mad scientist doctor, was, um, thrown. It was, it was after Celine interrogated him and she was scene? brought to Victor. And so that was a, there was a ton of exposition there. So that's why Michael Corvin's the key. Uh, that's why Michael Corvin was. Um, able to turn into a chimera. Um, now I this gets into underworld evolution and like some inconsistencies, but that's yeah, no supposed shit. to be. Yeah, that was supposed to be like what happened. So, um, Lucian's plan got got um fulfilled, even despite some setbacks, because Celine bit Michael in the third act to try to save his life and then he becomes the first ever hybrid uh then the, then they have a giant fight um and then Celine kills Bill Nighy and um now she's on the run and that's how the first movie ends so here's um, the thing about the hybrid that never okay 
I somewhere in there I missed that there were three sons, especially because at the very beginning of Underworld Evolution, they give you the story again. And I'm I'm telling you, Chris, I'm convinced they said nothing about a third son at the beginning of it. They were only well, talking they, about they they mentioned that they met it's it was a huge exposition moment in the first movie. Now the it's the inconsistencies that I'm like it's weird. So at the end of the first Underworld, um Singe gets killed in the tomb room. That's where like Victor and Marcus um, and Amelia are supposed being held. to sleep. Exactly. And then Singe, he was bleeding out and Singe is also a lichen and all of his blood starts pooling into Marcus's crypt. Um and and we see all the blood drip down into his tomb uh into that that mechanical vial that drips blood directly to its mouth and like the very last shots of underworld is we see the the lichen's blood drip into its mouth um marcus's eyes open they're vampire eyes they're vampire they're blue but they also turn like jet black and like the jet black irises is is like the hybrid yeah he blinks it turns into the lichen eyes and then the movie's over and you're like oh fuck Mm -hmm. so now michael is no longer unique although until we watch fucking evolution you find out that they're both unique for stupid reasons well well, that's the weird the the weird thing is okay so how was it how i I had to do some other research or i did not do any research with hybrids i really didn't yeah it's it's weird okay so first of all my first question is marcus is is this a wait hold on are your questions about evolution or are they about this is leading this is leading to evolution so uh, this is about like why marcus is able to become a hybrid to begin with because he's yes he's the son of alexander corvinus but he he shouldn't be able to become a hybrid because his bloodline quote-unquote is like tainted by like vampires unless unless since he's so genetically close to alexander corvinus because he's like his direct son uh so maybe only marcus and by extension william are able to become hybrids and like everyone else down down the generations are they're too like like the, the original blood purity of like the cravitus strain or cravitus bloodlines too diluted so maybe maybe that could explain why marcus is a hybrid so let's just put that on the side but uh i know like rye was crazy confused why why my marcus is a bat no so okay so hold on hold on hold on hold on hold yes. on first of all i was confused yes. as to why michael being a hybrid makes him blue i i why why is he blue it was just a choice why i guess i think it was just an why is he blue choice? green he's not fucking nightcrawler why is he blue so i was mad about that but besides that apparently it's a hybrid thing because marcus is the same fucking shade so yeah <laughs> So yes. then, so now we're getting into so now this is w- warning ahead. If you are one of those people that hates listening to me talk when I'm irritated, then turn the podcast off now because I'm going to spend the next ten. No, no, rant, rant mode, rant mode activated. Yeah, rant mode is completely activated right now because while I was watching this movie, I was 
texting Chris and I was like, now I remember why I remember nothing about this movie. It's because it sucked and I hated it because there was just, why is Marcus a bat? Chris, why is Marcus a okay. bat? Okay, okay. I can accept, I have an explanation. Why does he have wings? So the reason why, why does he, the reason why, why does he have weird is because he's a bat. Because he, head? why is he blue? Like, <laughs> <laughs> okay, we established blue is the Len Wiseman's color. Okay, His fine. default color for hybrids. Why is he a fucking bat? Why do because, none of the other vampires turn into bats? Because none of the other vampires are hybrids. Like why does in this Michael world, not turn into like a bat? turning the bats is not an ability a normal vampire Wait a minute, can have. Why does Michael not turn no, into a bat? But 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 <laughs> so with hybrids, even though they're like a mix of the two races, they're still like a quote unquote dominant side. So for example, for Michael Corvinus, yes, he was human. But he was turned into a lichen first, and then when he's when he gets the bite from Celine, he's still like his features are more werewolfishish, werewolf or lichenish. But take that with a grain of salt because he doesn't get like fur. But like, um, like he has like he, he grows a shit ton of fangs, and he he gets like a bestial snout, so it's more werewolfish. Um, as for Marcus, I mean. He he's like the original vampire. Um so when he gets hybridized, his features are more dominant on the the vampire side. Um so yeah, he, he turns blue, but like he retains does a like he, he yes, he gains the ability to turn to a bat, like he has more bat-like features, but he still has increased like strength and abilities and endurance and stuff. It makes me so. it makes me just like irrationally angry. Also, watching Underworld evolution um, makes you think that Celine was a really bad death dealer because she could not shoot Marcus for the life of her. Just shoot him a bunch in the wings and he goes down. Then you delay him while he has to wait to find shelter till the sun comes up and then subsequently goes down. Shoot him in the wings. What What were you doing? What were you doing? So I just, I felt like watching Underworld evolution it made me feel dumber and I don't like that. Uh, I was really angry at this movie because it just it felt so bad. Um, they made a lot of things way too obvious. So they start off with the whole myth. They start off with the two sons of Corvinus, one bitten by bat, one by wolf. And then you meet William. But you only meet William as a werewolf. You never meet him as a person. And you find out that it was because the first generation of lichens only could never change back. They only maintained their wolf form. And that very much deviates away from the original werewolf lore. Not that I have an issue with that. That's fine. Um, it wasn't until you get to the third movie where you understand how they can turn and why they're no longer bound by the moon the way they used to be. So like a virus, it which they still kept, it... it mutated through the generations which i think is still really cool so at least that aspect they didn't lose and wasn't shitty the rest and they, they of the also movie was. I, they also mentioned that it was it was it was it didn't take it took a long time before lichens uh, were able to like channel the rage into a way where they could just transform will so I, to me, it sounded like a psychosomatic kind of um, a condition. Uh, but yeah. So 
there is this thing in the mythos where according to victor he and he believed this so much so that he protected marcus at all costs because he is the father of the bloodline he said if you die we all die so he thinks that marcus dying would be responsible for the rest of the bloodline ergo they would all die which at the end of this movie we find out is not the case because marcus is very 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 dead at the end of this movie and so is alexander corvinus and yet they're all still alive well, well, that we you know. Can, well, Celine's still yeah. alive, and she was made by Victor. Victor's dead. Yeah, and then um, so I, I also like with evolution. I mean, like the that's the whole quote unquote theme. I don't know how well it kept to that theme, but at the end of the movie, they they hit or they establish. That Celine is like this new breed. I mean, she's not really a hybrid. She well, okay. Let me clarify. She's not a hybrid, but like she's something different yes, from them before because she takes happened. on the blood of Alexander Cravinus and she gains some sort of new abilities. Like it's re- it's really really vague what but she transferred she into. But she didn't gain any new abilities. All she did well, was it's that's what yeah. It's it's really vague Marcus. how they. Yeah, there was like her new. eyes changed for a minute, and then she she seems like she's tougher and sturdier, and she can f- punch harder. But like in general, they don't really explain how she changed or how she's quote unquote the future as Alexander Cravinius okay. states. So so here's so on on that note. So here's the thing: two things. One, her eyes change from her blue to white. And then they go back to normal by the end of the movie. Here's where I have a problem. Mm. Michael was supposed to be the first of his kind. Nothing we'd ever seen before. Half lichen, half vampire, but stronger than both. And yet Marcus like flips him over on his back through a broken off wooden plank and he dies. And I remember well, screaming at the laptop like, <laughs> you're supposed to be this brand new, what the what the fuck is happening? And Celine well, tries also, to, wait, I mean, wait, wait, hold on, hold on, wait a minute, wait a minute. Celine tries to bring him back and it doesn't work because we see him in a goddamn body bag up in a helicopter. So in sequence of events, she tries to bring him back to life and it doesn't work. Then she gets Alexander Corvinus's blood. And then because Michael's quote unquote unique, he like willed himself back to life. It makes no sense. If she had taken Alexander Corvinus's blood and then tried to bring Michael back, that I would buy because it got it dives into this whole Mutation of the blood thing, new species, bloody fucking blah. Okay, so my my rebuttals one Marcus even before he was a hybrid, he's still like the OG, one one of the OG immortals. He's he so he's crazy powerful to begin with, and that the, plus plus him becoming a hybrid, like yeah, he's he's crazy overpowered. Like and so I I I buy that he could kill, um, uh, Michael with a few swings now as as so far as michael's convenient uh uh what's a convenient taking out and revival that's all that's just all plot bs just to like toy with your emotions and just in the in the general five act structure where like like it's like it's like the lowest low before the big finale where Celine loses the lover lover of her life she she can't she tries to save michael nothing seems to be happening she's not now she's she has nothing left to lose she's gone the warpath and 
uh, with with the power of plot armor and convenience, Michael resurrects at the uh, just right at the perfect moment because his hybrid powers are MacGuffin, and they just kicked in in the, uh, the most opportune time. He jumps in and he rips off at William's head. Oh, I forgot. Celine does have magical power. She can walk in the sunlight. Uh, oh no! <laughs> yeah, afterwards. Yeah, at the end. So that's part of. That's a. Bo- Alar- that's such a fucking cop out. I mean, that's Corvinus's evolution i guess <laughs> so okay so so here's the thing so here's the thing towards the end of this movie i have notes here and i i'm gonna post a picture of them because i don't think you people will believe me but i know chris will because i'm pretty sure i texted this to him i wrote celine had alexander's blood now what she's a hybrid too question mark just more powerful question mark and michael's dead seriously what is this movie michael is no longer unique if Marcus dies, blah blah blah. So Michael's alive. How? Like I from there, I just I just went on a whole note rant because I didn't understand the direction that this movie was going in. I, I agree. That like they had set up, they just deleted, and it makes no sense. Is the I agree. Point this of it? movie doesn't follow its own rules that it that it established exactly. in the world. It 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 becomes it. The the lore or the quote unquote rules or the quote unquote mythos it gets played around like putty to serve the plot. I mean that's that's all it Everything is. Everything else it's, with Marcus and and his whole subplot was so convoluted that I didn't even have time to care about the romance aspect of Michael and Celine's new relationship. I didn't have time to give a shit about it because I was trying to wrap my head around why does Marcus look like a fucking pet? And there what there is was happening. a lot of things going on. Like, I... I oh, and on to top me, of like, all of I, that, on top of all of that, you forgot the weird subplot that the whole reason why Marcus wants Celine dead is because he wants her blood to find out where William has been in exile for his entire life because... Uh, Celine's human family when they were alive and human and bloody fucking blah her father was the person that made William's cage she had a map in her mind to his to his cage and the key was two parts one was in Victor's chest and the other was around Lucian's neck so unravel all of that while you're trying to deal with the rest of the shit in this movie it was just it was too much and it was the same director and it was just sort of like, you had a formula for the first one. Why couldn't you just fucking follow it? On on its own, the individual like plot things that they tried to do with this movie were fine. They just needed to make up their mind. I feel like Evolution could have been broken up into two movies and we would have been fine. And the thing is with Evolution, like you can't really give it the example of, like say, The, the Matrix. Where The Matrix was a left field shot but then it became so crazy popular and then the Wachowski brothers were sisters now um Twins, they didn't realize how popular it would be so they because like just because of like the box office they decided to create reloaded revolutions and the plot was messy and it didn't match up to the original now i'll say this uh, i with, love matrix reloaded the song from the car chase scene on the highways oh d- yes yes rob dogan and juno reactor mona lisa overdrive yes very good um oh um but with, with underworld um they they went with like 
well knowing they would well well ahead of time that they were they're going to do a sequel whether or not like um like i actually like one of the, the trivia i was reading was um they already planned a sequel and a prequel before the actual underworld movie was released just based on ticket sales in canada alone i, I apparently canadians really really were hype about this movie because like th- th- those ticket sales alone weren't enough uh fire under- underneath their bellies to Go already draft like a entire franchise so led wiseman i felt like he, I, I, I can't give Len Wiseman the the out that he didn't realize Underworld was like this magic bullet because he already knew he had he stumbled onto something, and I just feel like evolution, like I okay, like granted, I, I, I enjoyed the first movie a lot more. Evolution was sloppy in places, but I don't, I, I still enjoyed the movie just, just because it was just like a fun action movie um and it, 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 i felt it was one of those movies where i could just turn my brain off like because it's kind of like you kind of have to because like there's so much going on but like there it was still flashy it still had like the aesthetic elements and dna of the first movie so it was still like really fun to look at um and like you know when you're when you're watching an other world movie, you're 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 in it for like the cool costumes and like, the transforming beasts and like the gunfights. Like, that's a really important part of like what makes Underworld great. Just like I don't know the execution of all all these other subplots and the, it just didn't synthesize well. Uh, and like yeah, it, if you're not paying attention, you're gonna get really confused. Like Rai did. Um, and you know, there's, there was ways where the movie could have been cleaned up. A hundred percent. Um, I think that I just, I just think that it should have just been a little bit further removed from the original movie. I don't like that. It took place right after the first one. Yeah. This movie literally takes days, like less than 24 hours after the first movie happened. Uh, Less than 12 hours. It's like an hour after everything happens and it's, Mm -hmm. and it's fine. I just, I, I just found so many, so many things in this movie were were problematic. I did like the introduction of Tannis, um, and how he came to be, and and his whole, and his character and everything like that. I I, I thought that was I like fine. They, yeah, I liked how they established that Tannis was the source or one of the, one of the sources for the UV rounds. And he's like, I was just doing it to stay alive, and you know, you know, just looking out for myself. That's all well and good. I just a lot of this movie I just spent looking at it like what the fuck am I watching? And it's it's not enjoyable for me. Uh mm-hmm. so I'm actually really happy that we're moving past this one while we continue the franchise. Although I will say that after Rise of the Lichens, which is the third one, I'm in uncharted territory as I have not seen an underworld movie past the third one. Yeah. So, um, and this franchise was—it's a lot bigger than I thought. Um, I mean, yeah, yes, j- this is just counting, not just kind of like the uh, the live action films, but I didn't know there was an animated film as part of this franchise. Really? That was real. Yeah. So, um, okay, we can and, do that as a bonus episode. 
Yeah, let's see. Yeah, there's an animated film called Underworld Endless War in, that, that came out in 2011. Um, so it's like a three, I think it's like an anthology series. Like It's a three-parter, and it leads into the events of Underworld Awakening, which is the the 2012 uh, Underworld movie. Oh, um, okay. And okay, I think we might have to adjust our timeline a little. Yes. Um, trying to see what else. Now, this is interesting. Now, in January 2016, um, so in terms of development hell, uh, or Hollywood years, this is probably like defunct or not happening anymore. But Wiseman announced that he would want he wanted to make an underworld TV series as well. So that's. Um, that's cool, but it never happened. I don't know. It's going to happen. Uh, and, um, as of 2017, um, you know, Wiseman, he wanted to do a, a, a new film, but, um, back, Kate Beckinsale, uh, she said she didn't want to appear. Um, you know, she's, she, she did her time. She says she's done plenty of them, which I get. I mean, it's really interesting with Kate Beckinsale's uh, entry into into um, Underworld. So, like prior to Underworld, um, she was known for doing a lot of period pieces and um, playing like uh, like very non actioning roles, and she wanted to switch things up she didn't want to be she didn't want to be typecasting those roles so um she got uh, she uh she went to underworld and she became like this amazing um action superstar like she, obviously underworld here's a claim to fame um but she also starred in ben helsing um i've i i'm drawing a blanket at the moment what other action films she did in this uh, time period but now she's back to doing period pieces i know she's done like a, a handful of comedies like um the one that jumps to mind immediately is um absolutely anything with simon Pegg, which was a, a really good film i really enjoyed that one um but yeah but yeah like i i don't know but like i'm just this is all just saying like this franchise is really expansive um i'm surprised there isn't any comic books related to this though oh there's also a video game that too (laughs) i i just okay i think that after this i i no (laughs) no (laughs) i have too much underworld (laughs) no so i look I love the first one, obviously. I love the third one. Uh, clearly, I feel some kind of way about the second one, and it's hard. And I am not. I don't know how I'm going to feel about the other ones because I haven't seen past the third. So I'm excited to keep going with this franchise, and I want to see where they go from here because, as we know, Rise of the Lycans is a prequel. It's not a continuation of this storyline. So after that, I guess we see where this goes. I'm sure somewhere down the line there's going to be a child involved because that's where everything goes to. Two weird hybrid 
things. Uh, there's going to be a weird hybrid child, I'm sure. I, I, I'm, you know, fine, whatever, as long as it's not cheesy and done terribly, I guess I'll be okay with it. I don't know. But I am excited to to watch the two movies that sort of finish off this whole franchise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, have me too. Seen, like, I, have you seen any of the other two? Have you seen a So I've, I, I've stopped at uh, Rise of the Lycans. Uncharted um, territory for both of us. Okay. Yeah. Although I, I will say I really enjoy 2000, the Rise of the Lycans. Um, I remember having really fond memories of watching it. Also, um, I'm a super huge fan of Rona, Rona Mitra. Uh, I think she's an awesome badass actress as well. Um, yeah, that's, yeah, so I, 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 it's, I haven't, I, I think I haven't seen Rise of the Lycans when, it, since it first came out. So this will be like a decade uh, of yeah. uh, since I've seen it. Yeah. So I'm really excited to see if it still holds up. Same. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. But uh, I'm, in general, I'm excited because, like, I irregardless of like evolution, like I still enjoyed evolution uh, at the end of the day. That's because I, you I, enjoyed I mean, the giant Marcus bat. Yes, I love it. I again, I have a weird I've I have like a low bar for entertainment. This is coming from the person who loves Deathbed. I love the Marcus Bat. It was awesome. Of course. Mm. It's my co-host. Anywho, everybody. Sh- <laughs> Should we end this? Yes. On that note, <laughs> thank you for listening to another episode of Left for Dread. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. You can listen to us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Spotify every Friday. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Left for Dread Pod. You can find us on Facebook, and you can check us out on our website at leftfordread.com. Yes, and if you have any hot takes uh, about Underworld, Underworld Evolution, or why the heck Marcus is a bat, like please message us. I don't know I think... how many times I texted Chris, why is he a bat? It was quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, uh, uh, so do your homework, kitties. Uh, just get uh, get on the next two movies. So that's Underworld Rise of the Lycans uh, from 2009 and Underworld Awakening from 2012. Uh, unless we do the animated film, but I don't know yet. But we're going to be doing two other under- Underworld things. Um, so stay tuned. This could be part two of our Underworld franchise series. Uh, really happy to do this. And uh, yeah, so uh, enjoy. And uh, thank you for listening. And don't forget, stay stay dreadful! dreadful.